I went to Queens, New York on the subway and I printed 5,000 flyers with my logo and this address of this dance studio. And I carried the boxes back and I went to the park and the playground every single day for three months and passed out flyers and talked to moms and nannies until I was like blue in the face. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey, 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 I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and mamas, today on the show, I'm joined by Sarah Farzam, founder of Bilingual Birdies, a business that teaches kids language through song. Sarah has an incredible story of building her business, and I'm excited to share that story with you, both for inspiration and as another side hustle option for any mamas out there who are feeling stuck now that services like VIP Kid are closing down. Sarah will explain how you can become a certified Bilingual Birdies instructor and start your own classes. Now, before we get started, a quick reminder that you can find the complete show notes to this episode and download your free Design Your Passion Project workbook at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 120. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Smart Money Mamas show. Hi, hola, hola. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I am so excited to have you. And I got to first ask, I read in your bio that you grew up trilingual. What languages did you grow up speaking? I grew up speaking Spanish and Farsi because my mom's from Mexico and my dad's from Iran. Funny enough, they met in an ESL class in the Bay Area (laughs) in the 60s. And now I work with languages. So full circle. (laughs) That's fantastic. So have you picked up any other languages other than Farsi and Spanish? Well, I'm learning Polish on Duolingo because my boyfriend's from Poland. So I, I mean, we have Iran, Mexico, Poland. It's like Good negotiator, passion for life, really efficient and organized, you know? (laughs) So it's like a whole thing. What was it like growing up speaking three languages in the same household? Inside the household, it was pretty cool. We mainly spoke English and Farsi, and then my mom would sing to me in Spanish. So actually, the foundation of my Spanish came through music. So I know it works, you know? (laughs) It all worked (laughs) out in the end. But it felt very natural. You know, that's the cool thing about your parents being from somewhere that speaks another language, you know? you get that benefit in the home. Whereas I have so much respect for parents who don't speak the other language and are seeking out ways to figure this thing out, right? That's certainly a a very uh, big challenge. It is doable. I will give you some suggestions. I commend people who do that because it's a big commitment towards, you know, your family's global citizenship. You mentioned learning language through music. And so you run a company called Bilingual Birdies. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there? Bilingual Birdies is a bilingual education program for preschool-age children. We basically teach Spanish, French, Mandarin Chinese, and English. It's all done through music, movement, dance, puppetry. We have these amazing puppets that we made, which your listeners can't see, but I'm holding up a bright yellow (laughs) bird. So cute. Yes, Myla Birdies, our mascot, and she comes out and only speaks the second language, so it encourages the children to want to learn. But we focus on short phrases, basic vocabulary. It's a very experiential type of learning. Of course, pre-pandemic, it was all in person and then um, shifted to online, which, believe it or not, has been a very beautiful blessing. Like, I mean, in all this last year of so much stress, you know, I would log on to a class and just see these children bouncing off the walls, singing and dancing (laughs) in different languages, having an amazing time. Just a very joyful experience. You know, I think it's important that kids get a chance to learn their first introduction to this other thing 
be it a very positive one, right? So, you know, by the time they get to kindergarten, if someone's sitting next to them in class and speaks Spanish, it's not like, ew, gross. It's like, oh, awesome. I know how to count to 10. I know the colors, you know? We teach classes to kids and we also license bilingual educators. If you are bilingual and you live anywhere in the globe, you can get certified and trained online to start your own bilingual birdies business. And uh, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, here. And so tell me, how did Bilingual Birdies come to be? What was the passion that kind of brought this is to be what you wanted your career to be? I started 14 years ago when I was 24. (laughs) I'm now 38, which I get like nowadays, kind of like every 24-year-old has a business. It's not like that big of a deal. But back then, 14 years ago in New York City, as a young female entrepreneur, it was definitely something different. I used to be a high school teacher slash waitress. I would work in your early 20s, you have a lot of energy, right? So you, <laughs> I used to work like eight in the morning until, you know, about five in the school. And then I'd take my clothes and run downtown. And I would work in a restaurant and from like 630 until four in the morning, sometimes. Then I'd run home, sleep for a couple hours, wake up, go do it again. And it was nuts, you know, but I was making two salaries, right? Because you, you make a lot of money in New York City, um, working in restaurants. So I was able to save up some money and start my business. And the way I got the idea was because I was living in New York and my brother lives there also. And at the time I had two-year-old twin nieces. Yes, two, uh, two, the age of two. And I would kind of hang out with them on Sundays. That was my only day off and go to the park. And one of my amazing qualities that I feel I naturally have is that I'm not shy, right? Like I will talk to a brick wall, no problem, (laughs) you know? Um, So I would just kind of post up at the park with my nieces and chat moms and, you know, new moms. It's a very, it's a very difficult time. Often you, you know, you're not close to your own family and, you know, we all live these isolated lives, you know? So I would just chat these new moms and ask them like, what do you guys do all day? Like, how's it going? You know? And they tell me that they go to these classes. So I'll never forget. There was one mom that told me she had her two-year-old child in a different class every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And her child was only two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like cooking and dance and art and music. And I was like, wow. You know, so finally (laughs) my nieces got the luck to sign up for a music class in English and I went with them and I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, it was like an American girl singing, you know, like uh, Bob Marley tunes and Madonna or whatever, you know, it was like happy fun times <laughs> in English. I'm like, oh, this is like charming, you know. But if you put language, then it's educational entertainment, right? So then I started getting the idea of like, oh, maybe I could like write some songs and research some stuff and try my own thing, you know. And if it works, great. Uh, like, you know, and if it doesn't, I'll get a real job when I turn 25, which is the benefit of being young when you, <laughs> when you start. How did you get that first class together? Like, how did you launch? Oh, my God. It was so hard. Okay. So basically, I had my college next door neighbor uh, friend draw a logo for me. And I was like, okay, I I want like a wire with three little birds. And it's going to be called bilingual birdies. And I had like toyed with like happy hippos or bilingual babies. I'm like, no, that's too obvious. Like birds, birds sing. It's going to be with music. Let's have it be called bilingual birdies, which I think is a great name, by the way, like totally rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I love it. Right? Yeah. Bilingual birdies. She drew the little logo for me. I think she used comic sans for like the the font. It was just like, (laughs) you don't know in the beginning, you know, I got this logo. I paid her 150 bucks for it. I made some flyers. No, first I went down to Soho because Soho is like a cool place that everybody knows about, right? Oh, yeah. It has cachet, right? So I go down to Soho and I found this dance studio. It was the Soho dance studio. So I rolled up in there and I was like, hi, I'd like to rent space here. 
by the hour in the mornings. And it, it was an older gentleman. He was like, all right, cool. Yeah, we have like salsa dance classes and stuff. Everything's at night, you know, so you can you can do that. And I was like, great. And he, I'm like, how much? And he was like, $100 an hour. And I was like, how about 25? And he was like, okay. So then he gave me the key. <laughs> and I was like, I got a location. So then I went to Queens, New York on the subway and I printed 5,000 flyers with my logo and this address of this dance studio. And I carried the box back, boxes back. And I went to the park and the playground every single day for three months and passed out flyers and talked to moms and nannies until I was like blue in the face. And when I tell you I'm not shy, I would just like, like, hi, how are you? How are you doing today? I have this amazing class I wanted to offer you if you'd like to join. We teach Spanish. It's super fun. It's going to be through music. It's a new thing. It's down here in Soho. If you'd like to attend, here's a flyer. Would you like to take a flyer? They were like, okay. I mean, I would talk to nannies like, what part of Mexico are you from? You're from Mexico? Oh, cool. I'm half Mexican. Like just hours on park benches chatting people. I mean, this was like pre-Instagram. Facebook had just gotten started. Just pounded the pavement pretty much. Okay, but how hard was this? Because we lived in New York for a while. People handing you flyers are often ignored, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yes. Please do not hand me things. And so how did you handle this? It was like I got really good at rejection because I'd go up to like, and they were like fancy moms, like West Village, Soho, you know, I'd be like, hi, how are you? Would you like to take a flyer? They're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, but it's something really good that I'm offering you. They're like, no, thanks. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and then they would just kind of look at me like, how do you even get into the playground? Like, you don't even have a kid. So basically, over time, a bunch of people took the flyers. I finished all of them. The first day came and only one kid showed up and my twin nieces. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my God. But she signed up. Lola's mom, bless her heart, she sold, signed up and she gave me 125 bucks and I took that check to the bank and I was like, hi, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm opening up a business bank account because like, I have a business because <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. And they were like, uh, do you have a tax ID? Are you registered? Like what? What? And I was like, I don't know. No. And they're like, hey, you need to go down to City Hall and like search stuff out and then come back. And it was really cool. You know, like that mom told another mom, another mom told we got a little bit of local press. Someone wrote a, wrote a story about us. And all of a sudden, people started coming through the door. Some signed up, some didn't. You know, it was trial and error in the beginning. It was, it was really, I was so excited about sharing my language and culture with other people that I just, I didn't quit, you know, and I, and I, I, I don't sing very well. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm not like a musician or anything like that. Not that you need to be one, you know, but that helps. And so I did the best that I could, like where I lacked in maybe talent in terms of like entertainment wise, I really made up for with enthusiasm. And I feel like at the end of the day, people want to see that you're there, you're trying. And I know how to make a fun time with children, you know, so yeah. it, was, it was really, it was really fun. It was scary a little bit, but fun. So you said, you know, you started this at 24. And you said, if by 25, it's not working, I'll get another job, right? I'll go back to work. How long did it take you to really feel comfortable that it was growing enough to stay to commit to it? It did take about a year. I had saved up a little bit of money because, you know, the main reason why I feel businesses fail in the beginning is because people don't anticipate their life costs money. And so you don't really have a job anymore, you know, so you got to pay, so you got to pay your life. So I burned through the savings pretty quickly. And then I start slowly started turning a profit, which I was excited about. I actually took an entrepreneurship class, like a free entrepreneurship class from the YMCA. 
it was a business plan competition and I won the business plan competition. So they gave me a little bit of money and some like advisory team to like help me figure it out. And that's when I really realized that it was a scalable business. Like, oh, I could hire teachers that could teach for me, like people who are way, way better than I am, you know, and eventually I could license this to people who want to start their own businesses and, you know, make products and, you know, more services. And so then I started thinking like, how can I build this career? It's not just a ladder where money's coming from one service like classes, but more like a jungle gym where we have money coming from classes and then preschool partnerships and birthday parties and in-home private lessons. And now we're doing concerts and now we're doing, you know, made the bilingual birdies band, you know, it was like performing the libraries and stuff. And then we made the licensing opportunity was really something significant. The journey of entrepreneurship for me has has really been a creative process. I think like being a good businesswoman is an art form. And I feel like being a good business person is an art form. Being a good businesswoman is an art form. And just as a violinist would train eight hours a day on their art form, on their skills, you also have to train in business in order to deliver effectively. So there really is something to that, like, okay, now I'm going to work on the business instead of just in the business, you know, because like, we're all on our grind, you know, like, every day, like, we're all just trying to get through the day, you know, but sometimes you really do need to schedule to take take some time out and like work on the strategy. And I love that you called out the business plan competition with the YMCA. I think that when you're bootstrapping and starting a business, a lot of us overlook all the free resources and grants and competitions that even very small young businesses can enter in and really kind of get even if it's just your name out there, right? And there are a little bit of knowledge you didn't have before. Huge benefits, right? Oh, girl, yes. I took every free program that was out there because, look, I was that kid like on the radio when I was little trying to win the concert tickets and I never won anything. But you never know. You might actually win. You should always apply to these things. Like it doesn't usually take that long. But I mean, I did one through the YMCA. I did another one through like the city of New York. And then I did another one through like Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses. They offered something. And each time I have done these free programs, it has been fantastic. I mean, the peer-to-peer education. When I go, I'm like, ah, whatever, peer-to-peer. Show me how to make money. Show me Excel. Show me spreadsheets, you know? And then I realize, like, ah, you can get an accountant to do that stuff for you. Like learning from other people's businesses. It's like if you hear enough, enough examples of how other people failed, got back up again, had a success, leveraged it, sort of like just got into the correct mental space to make it happen. Usually your passion for the for the project and your ability to share that with others coupled with getting a game plan going usually is what sells it every time, you know? You've been running this business for 14, 15 years, right? You launched in 2006. Every business has tough moments, right? Where you're up against a wall that for growth, you got to get to the next level and things are just hard. And so can you share a story or two about moments, something you learned as you went through these moments? Oh my God. Yes. How much time do you have? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like the fail queen. Okay. I have, I really believe that failure is something you got to fail fast and you got to pick it up and just turn it into something positive. So, I mean, very beginning, early, early stage, starting bilingual birdies, I used to buy instruments from wherever I could afford, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So kind of like discount places, you know, I had like egg shakers, you know, right, you've all been to like a music class for kids that have egg shakers, right? So I was like cheap egg shakers in the beginning, because I just didn't know. I was sitting in a class once teaching this little girl. And what's the first thing that a baby does when you give them an egg shaker, they put it in their mouth. 
I see this little girl with like this little tiny egg in her mouth. And I was just like, oh, this is not a good look. And then I start to see the egg kind of like get smaller. And I was like, oh my God, this is like really terrible, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm, I stopped the class. I'm like, no, 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 we got to stop. Like we get this thing out of her mouth, you know, because mom couldn't tell because she was on her lap. Everyone's like facing me and I'm like, um, I'm about to be out of business and like in jail. So we need to sort this thing out, you know? So we popped the, the egg out of her mouth. The thing kind of like exploded into a million little pellets. And I was just like, oh my God, this is terrible. You know, I learned my lesson. Don't buy cheap instruments. So now we only buy the highest quality <laughs> musician style instruments and manipulatives and puppets and everything is the highest quality for early child education. Because when I was 24, I didn't know and I learned the hard way, you know what I mean? And so that's something that you feel like terrible about, right? But you pick it up and you keep moving. I can tell you so many other stories, you know, uh, things of like hiring friends, you know, and like not knowing enough about business management and just kind of like managing people and like trying to convince people to leave their house to go do a service and pay them, you know, like that was really hard for me. I just thought, oh, I could just hire my friend who's kind of somewhat good at this and they could just do it rather than, no, oh, like you should really do a proper search and recruitment and find someone who is skilled in this specific area that you need, right? I also would many times come up against the same problem like in 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 business operationally and so I realized the the importance of when a problem does occur, it's to your benefit, to the greater good, ultimately it's going to reach the the final user which is the children, right? to create a process map for whatever it is that went wrong and then file that in somewhere so that when you train someone else to do this job, they can come and see like, what is the process? Like, how is this supposed to go? Because enough times of the same thing happening over and over and over again, it's like, why does this keep happening? So it usually in my business, if something goes wrong, I'm like, oh, okay, that happened. And then if the same thing happens a second time, it's like, oh, put a little more attention. But if it happens three times, that's when I'm like, okay, we need to take a step back and like figure out how to re-strategize and document the process so it's clear for everyone in the company and we can all sort of move forward into the sunset together, you know? I feel like process is one of those things that if you read any business book, any entrepreneurship book, they're going to tell you the importance of process, right? And of documenting but I feel like until you've been an entrepreneur for a certain period of time, it just doesn't happen. Like even if you know you're supposed to do it, until you've done the process enough that it's, it becomes obvious what even to write down. I think I love your example of like, let it come up twice and then take a step back on the third time. Because at that point, you know how to solve the problem. If you're trying to create a process the first time you solve the problem, it might not work in the next time it comes up, right? There's so much variability in entrepreneurship. And it does really affect your bottom line. I mean, and it saves you time. It saves you money and time is money, right? So, (laughs) you know, we're here trying to do something good for children and it's not a nonprofit organization. You know, the idea is to also make money. So I think it's for everyone's best interest and also just communication with your team. Everyone needs to be sort of on the same page. And so the first two stories you, you mentioned were about investing in your business, right? Like not knowing to buy the high quality instruments, not knowing to hire the people who have expertise in these things. Now that you're much bigger, right? How, how do you make decisions about how you're going to invest in your business? Now, because we've reached some level of success, you know, in the beginning, you're kind of like, desperately taking whatever jobs, you know, like, even if people want to discount you, you're like, let's make this partnership with a preschool, like, let's make it happen, you know, like, we want to reach as many children as we can, you know, 
But I think the most important thing as you to some time passes, ideally you'd get this from the beginning, but to really know your value and understand what you're bringing to the table, you know, like we'll make a partnership with a preschool, for example, that would like to have the foreign language specialists, right? So we'll be teaching once a week and teaching Mandarin Chinese, for example. And wow, that's so cool. You're going to come here and teach our, our preschoolers Mandarin. It's like, yeah. And you start to think, okay, they're like, well, you know, everybody asks for a discount, right? And so it's like, okay, well, let's talk about what are we really delivering here? You know, like, this is going to be a program where they learn Mandarin, their musical aptitude is going to increase because all through music, there's going to be, it's very physical, there's going to be movement involved. And everyone knows movement equals joy, you know, like you're going to yeah. be, they're going to be up and dancing, right? Like we all know that from this time cooped up in our houses, right? We need movement. There's puppetry, right? So Sesame Street is a thing because people went and studied what is puppeteering, right? So we actually bring, we do professional developments where puppeteers come from the theater district in New York City and train us on puppeteering, right? To make sure that it's just the highest quality in children's education. It's all these things. And when you start to understand like the value that you're bringing to the table, then you can dream. And it does affect the way you take decisions and plan things for the future. So the way I do it now, since I have a strong understanding of the value that we're bringing for children is I try to sort of see what is missing in the early childhood world and how we might be able to be the solution to something. I mean, even outside of the early childhood world, I think that we're living in a moment where if there was ever a moment primed for celebrating diversity and building bridges and not walls and increasing cross-cultural understanding, it is right now. I think that if you are a bilingual person and, and you have something to share, you know, it is almost like if you don't do it, it's like terrible. You know, what I mean, it's like yeah, we yeah. have to do this work now. We're late to the game, you know. So I try to look at what's missing, what needs some solution. So many people have lost their jobs in this time of global pandemic. I've been through a lot of lessons in this entrepreneurial journey of the last 14 years. So for me, it's an honor to be able to sort of package that and, and give it to someone else to learn from and create uh, an income for themselves. You know, it's been bilingual birdies has given my life so much meaning and purpose. And I would love to give that to another person. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And it's, it's really cool to see how people can bring an extra revenue stream to their home in this time by teaching classes online or earning money from home. All those things kind of push my decision towards what strategy we're going to take. And I want to talk about that. Absolutely. The licensing opportunity. But before we do that, my last question is, you know, this last year has been really hard. There's been a lot of changes. And like you said, you guys went from in-person classes to online classes. What other pivots did you have to make in the last year? And what have you learned through this process? <laughs> it's been a very difficult year for all of us. You know, it doesn't matter where you are and what you do, it's been, it's been very difficult. And so I think that for me personally, I saw about a year ago when they closed the schools down, right? We work with children in schools. So I was like, oh, how's this going to go? You know, but right away I was like, okay, we got to do Zoom, you know, like let's, let's get that thing up and up and running. So we have actually a, a tech team in based in Mexico City that's all female coders they helped us very quickly to sort of translate everything to be online. We're all running a tech company now, right? So that has been very, very educational for me. I survived the 2008 crash. And so I sort of knew like from that prior experience that this is going to be really hard, but we're going to get through it. 
human beings are so resilient. It's pretty incredible how far we've come, right? So I I knew like this is going to be a moment where I'm probably going to work harder than I ever have before, which I can confirm I did. But I have a team of people that rely on this income and I don't want to let them down, you know? So I really did feel like I need to do right by them. I felt that so many children are about to be home just with their parents trying to figure out what to do with them. And so I felt a deep commitment towards my customer, right? Children, right? And my, my, the people that I set out to serve in the first place, right? Basically, I'm always going to hold the flag for children and diversity. It doesn't matter if it's online, from a distance, whatever, you know, like I believe in it so much that that's sort of what propelled me to keep going. So I learned that once again, I feel it's also something in my legacy, right? Mexican people are among some of the hardest working people on the planet. You know, it's like such a strong work ethic, you know? And so I'm just like, the ancestors are here to like make me make this happen. Like we are going to come out with flying colors somehow, you know? Iranian people historically are merchants and, you know, traders and like, they're so just good at negotiating and business and everything. And I was like, we will find a way. You want to do business with us? We will find a way. We will make it work. We'll figure out something that works for everyone here. You know, I felt really just empowered by kind of who I am and where I come from. And I knew it was going to be a hard moment, but I was, you know, had some days where I was like afraid and crying and banging my head up against the wall like everybody. But, you know, and then you go have a cookie and you get back to the computer and you figure <laughs> it out, you know, meet with your team and, and you try and get some inspiration from anywhere you can. I did learn the power of resiliency. Now that we're sort of turning a corner a bit here in the States, at least, I feel uh, hopeful and excited. When you're in business for 14 years, like every couple of years, you get a little bit bored a little bit, you know? I mean, I'm being very uh, transparent, okay? And you have to, it's hard when those moments come, but in the end, it's good because that's when you innovate, you know? And you're like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What else can I do now, you know? For me, it was, I was coming up on that mark where I was like, oh, what are we going to do now? it really rejuvenated my, my hustle. You know what I mean? I was like, no, no, I want to, I want to serve children. I want to do the right thing. Like I want to, I believe in this, you know, we ended up being okay. Our friend Patrice Washington, who runs the Redefining Wealth podcast talks about those moments as wipe the whiteboard moments, right? Of like, we're a little bit bored, a little bit just not feeling inspired and like taking that as an indication that maybe we need a new plan. Maybe we need to innovate. And so We've all been there. Absolutely. What do you guys think you're going to do moving forward? Do you think you'll keep some element of online classes? Yes, I do think that the online thing is here to stay. And I did feel confident about that from the beginning. I was like, okay, look, we're going to do this. And when we come out of this, then we're going to have two businesses. We'll have the in-person thing and we'll have the online thing. And it's like, for any moms out there that that have their kids in virtual learning, you know, which is basically everyone, like you see how many uh, virtual preschools have popped up. That really wasn't a thing before, you know, so it's kind of cool that that option is available for those who may need it. So I, I will be keeping that. The licensing will be something for our future because I really realized that the way to reach the largest amount of children is to work with other individuals who can create their own programs. And then really just creating inspiring cultural content for children. We're very dedicated to that. We have a really strong creative team of linguists and early childhood educators and PhDs in world arts and cultures and uh, musicians. Uh, people come from all over the world to New York City to, to sort of make it with their musical career. So we have been able to leverage so much talent and wisdom and knowledge to deliver 
what I think is the highest quality in bilingual education for young children. And it's a lot of fun, you know, so we're, we're really committed to creating more content and maybe the future might also hold some things more like in media, which could be cool. Uh, really just ways, I mean, like now we all understand the power of the internet, you know, so how can you just scream from the mountaintops as far as possible and as wide as possible about what it is that you're offering, you know? So tell us a little bit about this licensing opportunity. What do you need to be able to be a bilingual birdies instructor? Becoming a bilingual birdies licensee is a really exciting opportunity that we've created for someone who is bilingual and speaks either Spanish or French or Mandarin or even just English and would like to teach children either online or in person. So it's pretty cool that you can teach online because you can earn money from home using Zoom. And if you have, you know, a network of friends and family with young children under the age of six that you could spread the word to, we essentially train and certify you in our bilingual birdies methodology. And then we give you all the infrastructure needed to create your own bilingual birdies business. So let's say you live like in D.C. or something, right? So you would get the license for bilingual birdies, D.C. or wherever is the area that you're going to be living in, and you would sign enroll families. The fee is $75 per month for your licensing fee, and that includes your own website, marketing materials. We mail you a classroom kit of instruments to use for when you're teaching with all the puppets and drums and scarves and maracas and all the stuff. And then every month we give you themed curriculum. So you go online, you log in, you, you learn the songs and the games, and then you teach in your online classes. And then you basically have to enroll families, and we take a small fee for every enrolled family because we we mail to them a bilingual birdies puppet to the child's house, and then they get all kinds of really cool digital materials like a bilingual ebook every month and music that's produced by us, original music in the second language and vocabulary sheets. So we've been working really, really hard to make really awesome bilingual ebooks that are beautifully illustrated and give parents stuff. You know, parents like that. You got to have stuff that goes along with keeping the learning going in the class, right? So we attend these classes and then parents can use the materials to keep the education going at home and make a global dance party in the living room, you know, like jam out. <laughs> a couple questions. You mentioned at the beginning with the, you first said that you had to be bilingual. And then you said, if you only speak English, how would you be an instructor for these classes if you only spoke English? We offer English as a second language. So if there's community members where you live who are working on English, like you can go to schools that are trying to firm up English and so you can get jobs there or enroll families. Another thing you could do is if you only speak English, you could hire a bilingual teacher. So let's say you only speak English, but your best friend's like Costa Rican and she speaks Spanish. You're like, hey, we can go on this thing together. Like I'll sign up as a business owner and then I'll hire you as a teacher and then I'll try and get the gigs and enroll the students and then you teach the classes. That's a really cool opportunity for someone who has a network of bilingual people. So that makes sense. And then how do the instructors get paid? You would be your own, it's your own business. So you get paid because parents enroll online. So we created an online booking platform. So let's say you have bilingual, where, where is your town in Connecticut again? Mansfield. <laughs> Mansfield. So your bilingual birdie is Mansfield, right? And then people would sign up on, we give you a website so that you list your classes and then you promote them and then parents would come to your website and then they would sign up and pay a fee for whatever you decide you want the classes to cost. The money goes into your bank account and you, you start making money. What's the pitch to have people sign up with your local online class versus just going to the Bilingual Birdies website and scheduling 
for the online classes that are available through New York City? The classes with each of the individual teachers are with their own network, right? So like, I don't know anybody in Mansfield, Connecticut, nor do we like market our classes there, right? So our our New York operation is mainly schools that we've already made a partnership with. And then we also opened up like some community classes, like right when COVID hit to just sort of like have a resource for families, right? Families can enroll there and if they'd like, but mainly because we're starting to go back in person now and people are doing like classes in the local parks, like outdoors and making that like whole family fun jam thing, people go to their local licensee, you know, so you can come to our website and type in your zip code and see where the classes are located close to you. And then you can take classes. And if there aren't any, then you can just sign up for online or whatever you'd like to do, you know, but everybody brings their own flavor to the table. So So licensees can also do in-person classes. They don't just have to do online classes. Yes, we are starting to go back in person in in various locations, which is extremely exciting. You can't be in person. Virtual is great too. It's different, but this is a great thing for us and for all the licensees because, you know, you can go get a location at the local church, you know, or even at the park or the local ice cream shop before they open and, you know, make a deal with the ice cream shop owner and like, oh, I want to run classes here, you know, or like kids bookstores, places like that, or the dance studio, like how I started, you know, yoga studios, places like that. So in-person is starting to come back and you can do either. And is there any protected area? So you had mentioned at the beginning, you were explaining, like, if there's not a person in DC, you could become the bilingual birdies of DC. Are you guys location restricting at all? So we don't restrict the location, but we try not to oversaturate the market, obviously. So like, LA is a really big place, right? So we try to cap it based on the population. But in LA, like, you know, people, you drive like 10 minutes to go somewhere, but you probably won't drive much more than that, like to get to where you need to go for your classes. So we definitely keep it fair. So is there an application process? What do you do to become a license? There is an application process. That's the only other fee. It's $100 and we use that money to run your background check. So you basically go online to bilingualverdes.com forward slash license. You can see there, you select whatever user you're going to be, business owner or, you know, hiring, you know, not teaching or teaching and hiring, whatever you'd like to do. And then you upload a little audition video of you singing Wheels on the Bus in a second language. And we make sure that you are very upbeat and that you speak the language. We prompts you. We, we give you the song to listen to. If you pass the video and you pass the background check, then you're in. What does the rhythm of one of these classes look like? I want you to know personally and all of your listeners. So first and foremost... If people are curious about bilingual race classes or becoming a licensee or you just like something fun to do with your children for a week, I am extending the offer to all the smart money mamas for a free week of classes and that covers Spanish, French, and Mandarin. And you're welcome to just email us info at bilingualbirdies.com or you can DM us on Instagram, bilingual underscore birdies. Just mention Smart Money Mamas and how awesome Chelsea is, and we're going to hook you up, okay? (laughs) So, um, Mamas will have that email address and their Instagram handle in the show notes and below the description of the podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy to, to have anyone who's curious. Basically, you come to a class and it is a very experiential uh, learning setup. So we have drumming in the beginning with our good morning chant. There's always a puppetry section where the puppet comes out and is experiencing some sort of issue, tired, hungry, sleepy, but they have to discuss that in in the second language. So if it's a French class, for example, you know, they might see 
that, um, you know, my Liberty, our mascot is hungry and they have to solve how to get her some food. And so they'll practice counting or colors or whatever is the, the situation that she's going through and learn how to say I'm hungry in a second language. And then there's always a theme. So we have like ritual songs, like hello song, goodbye song, cleanup song, things like that. And then there's always a theme, which could be anything from healthy eating, fruits and vegetables, or pedestrian safety, how to look both ways, make sure you're holding your an adult's hand before you cross. Emotions. We have a whole class, like a whole unit about emotions. We have another unit about the solar system and building a rocket and launching it to outer space and having a dance party on the moon, you know, so they learn all of these <laughs> words in the second language. And it's a lot of fun and all, all the ebooks and everything go along with it. So it's, it's really cool to sort of have that 360 approach, like you come to the class, you do some puppetry and singing and dancing, there's always a, a bubble dance party at the end. So everyone's up and <laughs> shaking. Afterwards, you can use this stuff to work with your with your parents at home. So it really is a child, teacher, the parent, every 360 approach, everyone working to, you know, increase the vocabulary and awareness and, and really celebrate diversity. And that's a great point about continuing the lesson at home. So we mentioned earlier, trying to teach your kid a second language if you don't yourself speak a second language. So if you're bringing your child to something like bilingual birdies, what can solo language parents do to continue that lesson? The monolinguals. I feel your pain. So what you can do (laughs) to encourage bilingualism at home, even if you don't speak the second language, because we all know the bilingual advantage is just so beneficial, right? We, you know, benefits, I mean, they're endless, right? You get higher cognitive skills, deeper social emotional awareness, global job opportunities in the, in the, in, in the global job market, right? They've even seen higher test scores for SATs and other standardized tests. And most importantly, I think, is really just more open-minded, right? You're going to grow into a more open-minded adult. What you can do is join a class like Bilingual Birdies or one that you enjoy, and you can get books, you can watch videos. There's a really amazing website called oznoz.com where you can stream Peppa Pig or you know Sesame Street or like whatever d- different cartoons and children's programs in a second language. So you can just pick the language that you want and um, watch the same program that you would have watched in English, but in a second language. I highly suggest as we start to go more in person, meetup groups of like other mamas who are trying to do Spanish or whatnot in, in the home and start to make friends with people who speak a second language, arts and crafts projects in the second language. Like you have to be set expectations, right? It's like, if you do this for six months, your kid's not going to be fully bilingual, right? But you have opened the door for them to later in life become fluent. And it's pretty easy with Google Translate to do an arts and crafts project where you just research how to say paper, scissors, glue, the different colors, and then you can write all those down on post-its and put them next to your items. And if you're doing arts and crafts at home with your child, like you can start to integrate the second language through what you're already doing that they enjoy and they have fun doing. Cooking, when you're making food, again, you can just look up the vocabulary words, write them on post-its, put them around like the different food items. Like let's say you're making guacamole or something, you know, so you learn the words for avocado and lemon and all these different things. And you know, you start to repeat them, like use a fun melody. That's always like really entertaining. If you go on our Instagram, we give bilingual parenting tips and um, different ways to sort of make like an animal safari in your living room, you know, and like incorporate different words. We try to keep it fun. I know that that's a big challenge and something that 
a lot of parents are, you know, want to know. There's no a quick fix solution for that. But I do think that if you're diligent and committed over time, you will start to see progress. I think good job to anyone who who's trying to do that. I, I think it's a wonderful thing to integrate into your home, however small or large you can do it, you know, just keep it up. Those are great tips. We both know that just because you start a business or you become a licensed rep does not mean that you suddenly are making all this money, right? You got to go find your clients. As someone who has 14 years of experience pitching bilingual birdies, can you give us your little park pitch? Like if you had just become a licensed rep and you're you know, running into a, another mom at the park, what would you tell them to try to get them to sign up for a bilingual birdies class? We actually offer a business boot camp that comes along with, with the package when you become a licensed educator. I go through, it's like 25 videos of me explaining how exactly I prepare, launch, and grow bilingual birdies for someone to replicate. All these trade secrets are in, in the training. But what I believe is that people, if you're going to give money for something, it's like a really big deal to part ways with even $1. Okay. Like I come from humble beginnings. Like we didn't, we were not like frivolous about anything, you know, I mean, there were like coupons in the market, the whole thing. Right. So like when you are going to part ways with your hard earned money and we're all working hard out there, like it really needs to be something that's going to give you 10 times the value. At least I think that's what I try to convey is focus on what you know is good, right? What you know is strong. I talk about the benefits. It's like benefits versus the features. So if I were to meet a mom, you know, because like features is like, oh, your kid's going to learn 10 to 15 new words per class. Yeah, of course, great, you know, but the benefits are that your child's going to have an increase in the global job market in the future because they're starting their process towards bilingualism, right? The benefits are they're going to grow into a more open-minded adult, if you would like to try out a bilingual birdies class, you are giving your child the bilingual advantage. And what an amazing thing to, to, what a gift to give your child, right? I also, when I talk with moms, I always try and find out like, where are you from? Where is your, where are your parents from? Like, do they have a grandma that's Puerto Rican or something, you know, because that's also a very powerful thing. Like if you have anyone in your family that's, you know, speaks this second language, the ability to sort of like have that intergenerational connection and joy is a very significant thing. I know a lot of parents want their kids to be bilingual so that they can speak to their grandparents, you know, or just sort of like uphold their their family's cultural heritage, which is which is nice, right? For me, anytime I'm trying to sell something, you know, like I don't really look at it so much like I'm trying to sell this to you. It's more like what is the problem that you're facing? How can we be a solution? I'd like to get to know you a little bit. I want to know, like, what does your day look like with your child? What are some of your things that you're working on? What's important to your family? What's important to you as like a mother to educate your child? You know, I, I often will ask people, what's the most important thing that you that you want to teach your child? Without a doubt, the number one thing is always empathy. And I feel like learning a second language, becoming bilingual is a really outstanding way to build on a child's empathy, you know, on level of empathy, because you start to see that, you know, this person is different from me, but they're still wonderful like me. And like, actually, we have a lot of similarities. And, you know, I can start to understand that and at a really young age. So I tried to tap into what is important to people anytime I want to, you know, invite them to sign up for a bilingual breeze class. And I think that's part of why we've been so successful is because, Everybody wants, like, in the end, you know, you want to have a happy, healthy, 
safety, you know, good things for your family. You want them to be able to succeed. You want them to have chances, right, to go up in life. And so this is one way to do that. Sarah, before we move into our last hot seat question, I imagine that you have lots of amazing memories from teaching these classes and especially those first few years. Do you have any cute or funny stories about something that's happened in one of your classes? In New York City, we would hire, um, because there's so many musicians in New York, in the very beginning, I hired someone who is now a Grammy award-winning musician, right? So <laughs> my friend Shay, she is in an all-girl mariachi band called Flor de Toloache. They've won a Latin Grammy, and they were nominated for a regular Grammy. It's an all-girl mariachi band, which is like a pretty awesome thing, right? So if you don't know them, you, you must know them. Look them up. My friend Shay, she's she's just an amazing singer, you know, songwriter and plays the guitar. And so she started teaching the classes in the beginning, right? She has a beautiful voice. And we always have a part of the class that's like a lullaby. The whole class is like kind of like directed play, you know, and they're having fun doing things. And there's like a couple minutes where we just let them chill out for a little bit. It's undirected play. And it's just a moment. Just listen to some music in Spanish and just chill, right? Or French or Mandarin, whatever class you're taking. So I was in this class. And it was like a mommy and me class. And there was like 15 kids and they're all there. And, you know, mommy and me, there's always like a lot of nannies, you know. So there was like a lot of Latina nannies there. And there was this one woman that I had kind of become friends with. She would pass out flyers for me and bring people. She was so sweet. Yeah, she was Mexican. Shay starts singing this beautiful, like traditional Hermoso Cariño. It's like a, a really lovely song in Spanish. And I look up and my friend and the nanny was crying. And then I look over and like, everybody's like so emotional. And I'm like, is everything okay? And she's like, my mom used to sing this song to me when I was a little girl in Mexico. This is so beautiful. Like you've totally took me back today. Thank you so much. And I was like, wow, like this is the power of transcending cultures and generations and like really takes you to like a beautiful place in your heart and gives you like music and it's like just such a it's the universal language you know I thought it was really cool that you know she brought this child to the class who she was the caregiver for and and loves like her own child you know and trying to teach her Spanish and she had a moment to sort of connect with her own early childhood which I thought was really special so yeah it's moments like that that you're like wow we're really doing this you know it's quite cool that is very very cool All right, Sarah, before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. The sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? Ready. Today's question is, what is one financial goal you're currently working on? One financial goal I'm working on is investing. I feel like rich people are rich because they make their money work for them. So I am working for my money and I'm also going to have my money work for me. I love that answer. Fantastic. Snaps all around. Sarah, where can people follow up with Bilingual Birdie and take their first class? Please visit bilingualbirdies.com forward slash Zoom if you'd like to check out the schedule for your free class, free week of classes extended to the Smart Money Mamas group only listeners. And um, if you would like to just check out what it is that we do with the licensing, you can go to bilingualbirdies.com forward slash license. It explains all the value and what you would get if you or someone you know is bilingual, or if you are not bilingual and you could hire someone who's bilingual and you'd like to start your own bilingual birdies business to earn money from home while teaching online. 
on Instagram. That's where we have all the bilingual parenting tips and funny puppet videos. So you can go there. It's at bilingual underscore birdies. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. Mamas will have links to all of those things in the show notes. This was fantastic. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everyone. And I really appreciate your interest. Oh my goodness, mamas. I just love Sarah's whole story. Picturing her with 5,000 flyers on the New York City subway and handing them out in parks is just amazing. How motivated she was to get her business off the ground. And her mission of creating a fun, affordable way to teach kids a second language is incredible. If you're interested in running your own bilingual birdies classes, be sure to check out Sarah's website. Now, as always, I've wrapped up my top three takeaways from this conversation with Sarah. First, when you're just starting out, free and low-cost resources are key. Make the most of them. Don't be afraid to look for creative solutions, like Sarah doing her marketing right in the local park or partnering with a dance studio that was typically empty in the mornings so she could get a much better price. Brilliant. Second, know your value. When you're just starting out, it's easy to try to charge low prices just so you can get people in the door. But you're running a business, and if you want to continue to serve people, you've got to get paid. Remember that you bring wonderful things to the world and don't feel the need to discount everything. Also, when you're selling, don't just talk about what you do, talk about the long-term value you bring. And finally, third, anyone can help encourage more language learning for their children. You don't have to already know a second language to help your kids develop those skills. Signing them up for a class, exposing them to music and books in different languages, and learning a few words here and there to use with them on a daily basis are all ways to encourage more language learning. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Sarah again for coming on the show. For links to Bilingual Birdies and all of Sarah's social media profiles, head to the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 120. And don't forget to grab your free Design Your Passion Project workbook while you're there so you can start creating your own business based on what you love. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time.